All right. Yes. Thank you for for listening. Thank you for, and I hope you. I wish you well. I hope that uh, whatever your your challenges are now that you're dealing with, that you may overcome them quickly. And uh, let me see. Let's see here. Um, see if I can put some music there. Uh, let's see. Let's. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna put on some something that's called Sith meditation, dark, a dark atmospheric ambient journey, deep and mysterious Sith ambient music. <laughs> if you're familiar with the Star Wars series, then you'll know about what the Sith. The Sith are the uh, dark side. <laughs> but it's pretty cool music, I think. It's kind of just ambient music. It's just like a, I think it's just it's just background music. But it's just actually it's um, it's actually sounds like brass bowls. So I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with dark side, but you know, people like the this low these lower frequencies. Sometimes people associate them with like some kind of like hellish realm or something, but it's not really. Well, actually, as a matter of fact, I was reading, though, that the Dakinis do, um, they do guard the gates to Patalaloka, but, and Patalaloka is one of the, is the last of the lower worlds, but, I mean, you know, you know, anyway, (laughs) just goes to show that everyone is a servant to the Lord, that everyone is a servant to the Dharma. Everyone is a servant to the Buddha. Everyone is a servant to Sangha. So, the three refuges. Everyone is a servant to the three refuges. So, let's take refuge in Milarepa and the life, the life of Milarepa. Chapter 3. Chapter 3, the life of Milarepa. Again, Rechungpa asked, Oh, Jetson. The Jetson said that he committed evil deeds early in life. Please tell us how he performed them. I accumulated misdeeds through black magic and casting hailstorms, replied Milarepa. What circumstances led the Jetson to train in black magic? and to cast hailstorms. Milarepa continued, While studying to read in Mitogeka, one day I accompanied my master to the lower valley of Za, where he was invited to preside over a great wedding feast. The alcohol was plentiful, and people from every direction served the master beer. Drinking everything that was offered, he became drunk. 
The master handed over the gifts he had received and sent me on ahead. I was also drunk on beer, and as I had been captivated by singers earlier in the day, I too felt a desire to sing. I had a good voice, so I walked along singing. The path passed in front of my house. The path passed in front of my house, and I was still singing when I reached my door. My mother was inside roasting barley and heard me. What is this? she wondered. This voice sounds like my son's. But nowhere on earth is there anyone more miserable than me and my children. So how could he be singing? Not believing what she heard, she came to look. She recognized me and, in her astonishment, cast away the tongs in her right hand and the barley whisk in her left, leaving the roasting barley to burn. Carrying a stick in her right hand and a handful of ashes in her left, she flew down the big steps, leapt over the small ones, and appeared outside. She threw the ashes in my face and struck me on the head several times with the stick, crying, Father Mila Sherab Gyaltsen, a son such as this has been born to you. The family line has been broken. Look upon the fate that has befallen us, mother and children. With this, she fainted and fell to the ground. <laughs> While she lay there collapsed, my sister came over and said, Elder brother, what were you thinking? Look at mother. She wept, and as she did, I realized that they were right. Then I too shed many tears. My sister and I rubbed my mother's hand and called to her as we cried. After a while, she regained consciousness and got up. Then she stared at me with her tear-stained face and said, Boy, can you really think about singing songs when nowhere on earth is there anyone more miserable than us, mother and children? When I think about it, I... Your old mother feel despair, and all I can do is cry. The three of us, mother and children, wailed our lament and sobbed. To my mother I said, Mother, you are right. Do not be so distressed. I shall do whatever you wish. My mother replied, I would like to see you draped in a fine cloak and mounted upon a horse with your stirrups slashing the throats of our hated enemies. Such will not come to pass, yet success is still possible by means of treachery. So I would like you to train to become an expert in black magic, curses, and casting hail. Then you should destroy all those who inflicted misery on us. Villagers and countrymen, beginning with your uncle and aunt, cutting off their family lines for nine generations. See if you can do that. I will see if I am able, mother. Prepare offerings for the Lama and provisions for me, whatever you have. 
so that I might train in black magic. My mother sold half of the field Trepe Tenchong in return for a turquoise called Karchen Otro. Great radiant star. And a white horse called Senge Sabme, unbridled lion, beloved in the region. She also obtained two bundles of dye and two packs of dried molasses, of which the two packs of dried molasses were used for our immediate needs. With this, my preparations were completed. I rested a few days at a place called Lundrup Guest House in Gongtang, where I looked for traveling companions. Five amiable young men arrived. They said they were from Ungari Dal and announced that they were going to U Sang in order to study Dharma and black magic. I suggested that we travel to, together since I was also going to study magic. They agreed and I led them to Lower Gongtang where I looked after them for a few days. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to me, my mother said to them, This son of mine has no perseverance whatsoever. As his companions, you should encourage him and ensure that he becomes thoroughly skilled in black magic. When you return here, I will show my hospitality and offer you a generous reward. Then, with the two bundles of dye loaded on the horse and the turquoise tucked away on my person, we set out. My mother accompanied us for a long while, and when we stopped to drink the barley beer she carried, she offered my companions much advice. At last she pulled me aside and grasped my hand over and over, unable to bear the thought of parting from her only son. With her face tear-stained and her voice choked with sobs, she said, Son, Remember our misfortunes. You must do whatever you can to show signs of black magic in our region. The black magic of your companions and our magic are not the same. Theirs is black magic for the pleasure of fine young men. Ours is black magic for a desperate family. That is why you must persevere. Son, if you return without showing signs of black magic in our region, I, your old mother, will kill myself right in front of you. I promised, and then we parted ways. Feeling a powerful longing for my mother, I looked back at her again and again and shed many tears. My mother also felt a strong attachment for me, her only son, and stayed there watching me with tears in her eyes for as long as I remained in sight. I had the heart-trending thought should I turn back? Should I turn around and see my mother for just a moment? I felt that mother and son would not meet again. Then, when we were out of sight, my mother returned home weeping. After a few days, rumor spread widely that Nyangsa Kargyan's son had gone off to train in black magic. We took the road to Utsang and reached Yakde in Sangrong. 
There I sold my horse and died to a very wealthy man, and the gold I received as payment I carried on my person. After crossing the Tsangpo, we turned toward U, and at Tongdok Raka, encountered many monks and nuns from U. We asked them for the name of a master in the region of U, skilled in black magic, curses, and casting hail. One of the monks said, In the village of Kyorpo in Yarlung lives a lama named Yongtong Trogyal of Nyak. He is an accomplished master of wrathful mantra practices such as black magic and curses. The monk was his disciple. So then, setting out to meet Lama Yongton Trogyal, we reached the village of Kyorpo in Yarlong. When we met the Lama, my companions presented only trifling gifts, but I offered everything, gold and turquoise. I said, I further offer my body, speech, and mind. There are some people who live nearby in my region who envy my happiness. Have pity and give me your most potent black magic, one that will show signs of working in my region. Until then, out of compassion, please give me food and clothing. The Lama smiled and replied, I shall think over what you have said. But from that point on, he did not teach us the deepest black magic. Rather, he gave us a few evil, evil mantras that he claimed would make heaven and earth tremble and clash, as well as a few useful instructions together with their ritual practices. About a year passed in this way, and as my companions were all preparing to leave, the Lama offered them each a fine cloak he had sewn from woolen cloth of central Tibet. But I was not convinced. I thought it would be difficult for the black magic I had learned to show signs of working in my region, and my mother would surely kill herself were I to return home without showing signs of magic. Thus I did not prepare to leave. My companion said, Topaga, are you not going to are you not going? I have not yet learned enough black magic to leave. They replied, These instructions are all most profound if we are able to practice them effectively enough. The Lama himself has said that he possesses nothing more. We no longer doubt his black magic. You go see if he will give you anything else. They offered their thanks and made prostrations to the Lama, and then they left. I too put on the cloak given by the Lama and accompanied them until they took their meal. We bid each other good health, and then they set out for their homeland. On the way back to the Lama, I gathered horse and donkey manure, cow dung and, and dog droppings, filling the bottom of my cloak. I dug a hole in a fertile field, owned by the Lama and buried them inside. The Lama, who was on the roof of his house, saw me and remarked to several of his monks, Of all the disciples I have had in the past, there has never been, nor will there be, one more good-natured than him down there. 
A sign of this is that he did not come to wish me farewell this morning, and yet he returned. When he first arrived at my home, he requested black magic because, as he put it, there are people living in my region who envy my happiness. He said, I offer my body, speech, and mind. If the story of such a simple fellow is true, it would be a pity were I not to grant him black magic. One of the monks repeated this to me, and I joyfully thought, I will finally get the black magic magic that's been withheld from me. I then went to see the Lama, who asked, Topaga, why did you not return home? As a gift, I offered the cloak that the Lama had presented to me. I made prostrations and touched his feet to my head. Having done so, I said, Precious Lama, there are three of us, my mother, my sister, and me. Some of our neighbors and countrymen, led by my uncle and aunt, have risen up as enemies and tormented us with all manner of cruelty. Powerless to retaliate against them, my mother sent me to train in black magic. If I return home without showing signs of black magic, my mother will kill herself in front of me. That is why I did not leave. And that is why I am requesting that you grant me the deepest black magic. I made this appeal and I wept. How have your countrymen tormented you? Asked the Lama. Sobbing, I described at length about how my father Mila Sherab Gyaltsen died and about the ways in which my uncle and aunt then tormented us. Tears also streamed from the Lama's eyes and he said, If what you say is true, this is completely intolerable. The magic I cast will be sufficient, but I do not assist people hastily. For this same black magic, I have been offered gold and turquoise by the hundreds and thousands from Ungari Korsum in the West, cases of tea and silken garments by the hundreds and thousands from the three ranges of Dokham in the East, woolen cloth and loads of butter and barley by the hundreds and thousands from the four regions of U and Zang in the center, and crossbred yaks, yaks, horses, yaks, and sheep by the hundreds and thousands from Jau, Dakpo, and Kongpo. Yet no one but you has said that he offers his body, mind, and speech. I will quickly verify your story. At the time, the Lama had a monk who was swifter than a horse and stronger than an elephant sent to my home to look things over. He quickly returned and said, Precious Lama, Topaga has told the truth, so you should really teach him magic. The Lama said to me, If I had rushed to give you black magic right away, I feared that a simple fellow such as you would have made me regret it. Since you have told the truth, you will now be granted black magic, but you must go to another master to study it. I possess a black magic rite called Zadong Marnak, dark red-faced Za, that, when cast, kills with the syllable Hum, and causes unconsciousness with the syllable Pat. In the region called Nup Kulung in Changrong, 
lives the Kulungpa Lama named Yonten Gyatso, knowledgeable in both medicine and mantra, and I gave this practice to him. He possesses the practice of casting hailstorms by pointing one's finger, which he gave to me. As he then became close friends, those who come to me to study black magic I send to him, and those who go to him to study hail casting he sends to me. For this reason, I will also send you to him together with my son. He provided me and his elder son named Dharma Wangchuk with a crossbred yak, yak loaded with thick wool and blended flannel from U province together from U province together with a small gift and sealed letter having then reached Nupkulung Nupkulung in Zangrong we met Lama Nupchungwa Yonten Gyatso and offered him the woolens along with the gift and letter from the Lama explaining the circumstances of my situation in detail I requested that he agree to teach me black magic. The Lama said, The Lama has been my friend for a long time and is true to his word. I shall certainly teach you the two. I will certainly teach you two the instructions for black magic. On that mountain spur down there, construct a retreat cell where you will not be disturbed by human hands. The cell had three stories below and one story above in which we placed sturdy beams aligned side by side like rows of fish. (coughs) We secured the perimeter with boulders nearly the size of yaks, leaving no gaps between them. We thus made the retreat cells so that others could neither discover its door nor find a way to infiltrate its walls. The master then gave instructions on black magic. We practiced the magic and seven days passed. The Lama came and said, In the past, seven days were sufficient. That should be enough this time too. I replied, Since this Black magic cast from a gr- since this is black magic cast from a great distance from a great distance I ask that we continue for another 7 days in that case he said continue to practice on the evening of the 14th day the lama returned and said tonight signs of black magic will appear at the edge of the mandala that night Oath-bound protectors of the teachings appeared, carrying 35 human heads and hearts, covered in blood. They said, For some days you have called upon us, and this is just what you have asked for. And they piled the heads and hearts at the edge of the mandala. In the morning, the Lama returned and said, There remain two people to be liberated. Should they be killed or spared? Spare them, I replied, in order to make known my satisfaction and justice. They were left alone, and thus my uncle and aunt were spared. 
We offered ritual cakes and a thanksgiving feast to the oath-bound Dharma protectors and then left the retreat. Remains of the retreat cell are still present in Kulung. Meanwhile, I wondered how signs of black magic had ma- had manifested in my homeland of Kyangatsa. Meanwhile, I wondered how signs of black magic had manifested in my homeland of Kyangatsa. There had been a wedding feast for my uncle's elder. There had been a wedding feast for my uncle's elder son to receive his bride. Thirty-five people who despised us gathered in the house. Thirty-five people who despised us gathered in the house, led by my uncle's sons and their wives. Other guests and those partial to us talked among themselves on the way to the house. They said, as the saying goes, when the false master aims to be master, the master is put out like a dog. So, too, have these terrible people acted. If the power of Topaga's incantation, if the power of Topaga's incantation does not work against them, the power of the truth of the precious jewels will. Those who were coming to the gathering had not yet entered the house, and my uncle and aunt stood outside discussing what food to offer and what greeting to pay to each person. At that moment, a former servant of mine, who now worked for my uncle, went to draw water. She did not see the many horses tethered in the courtyard, but instead saw it filled with scorpions, spiders, snakes, tadpoles, and the like. In their midst stood a scorpion as big as a yak, thrusting its claws around a pillar and tearing it, and tearing it out. She fled in terror, and just as she landed outside, the many stallions that were tethered together with the mares riled the females, causing all the horses to startle and rear, while the mares kicked at the stallions. Pillars were struck and they toppled. The house collapsed and under the rubble some 35 people died, including my uncle's sons and their wives. The house was filled with corpses and shrouded in a swirl of dust. Seeing the calamity that filled the area outside, Peta rushed to my mother and gave an account, saying, Mother, mother, uncle's house has collapsed and many people have died. Come look. My mother wondered whether it was true or not, and, overwhelmed with joy, she went to look. Upon seeing my uncle's house reduced to a swirling cloud of dust and hearing the valley filled with mournful cries, She was as happy as she was astonished. Right then my mother fastened a tattered rag to the end of a long stick, and holding it aloft she she cried in a loud voice, I present this before you. Please accept it, gods, lamas, and the triple gem. All you neighbors and countrymen, has a son been born to Mila Sherab Geltsen? All you neighbors and countrymen, has a son been born to Mila Sherab Galtsen? I, Nyangsa Kargian, have worn tattered clothes and eaten bad food in order to provide for my son day in and day out. Look and see if it has paid off.
Previously, uncle and aunt said, if you are many, if you are many, wage war. If you are few, cast magic. Now, magic cast by the few has gained more than war waged by many. Look at the people in the upper stories. Look at the animals below. Look at the riches in between. I have lived a long time and have at last witnessed such a spectacle displayed by my son. Look, could I, Nyang Sakargian, be happier than I am right now? Everyone who had not yet returned home heard her gloating. Some said, she's right. Others said, she's right, but she is overdoing it now. All those who had relatives die in the calamity heard my mother. All those who had relatives die in the calamity heard my mother. Gathering together, they said, it's not enough that she caused this disaster. Now she gloats. How despicable. Torture her and rip out her beating heart. The elder said, what is the use of killing her? It is her boy who has brought this upon us. Indeed, it was him alone. Therefore, first find her boy and kill him with your hand, with your own hands, however you can. Then it will be easy to kill her. They agreed upon this. My uncle heard this and said, Now I have neither sons nor, da nor daughters. Now I have neither sons nor daughters left to lose. Me, I will be happy if I die. He set off to kill my mother, but my countrymen held him back, saying, First of all, it is because you did not keep your word that this calamity has befallen the region. And now, if you carry out your plan without killing her boy, we will oppose you. And now, if you carry out your plan without killing her boy, we will oppose you. Thus, my uncle was left without a chance to act. My countrymen then conspired to set out and kill me. My maternal uncle went to my mother and said, With your speech yesterday and the way you acted, our countrymen are waiting to kill you and your son with their own hands. What did you hope to achieve? You should have been satisfied that the black magic worked. In this way, he scolded her at length. My mother replied, These things didn't happen to you, brother. I agree with what you are saying, but it's difficult to show restraint when all my wealth has been stolen in this way. And without saying another word, she broke down in tears. Her brother continued, It's true, you are right. But now I'm worried that people will come to kill you. So lock yourself behind closed doors. After he left, she barred the doors and thought things over and thought things over for a long while. Meanwhile, my uncle's servant, who had formerly worked for us, heard the, the people conspiring. She still felt affection for my family, and so, unable to bear the thought of such retribution. She's such retribution. She sent word to my mother, reporting what they had discussed and saying that she should therefore look out for her son's life. My mother thought 
They're plotting dashes my ha- they're plotting dashes my happiness for the time being. She sold the remaining half of her field trepe tenchong, receiving seven ounces of gold. Since there was no one in the region she could send, and since no messenger from elsewhere had appeared, my mother thought she herself would come see me in order to to bring provisions and offer advice. At that moment, a yogin from the region of U, who was returning from a pilgrimage to Nepal, showed up, begging for alms. My mother asked him his story in detail and determined he would make a suitable messenger. Rest here a few days, she said. I have a son in the region of U Tsang, and I have some news to send to him. Please help to deliver it. During that time, she made him feel comfortable with kind hospitality. My mother then lit a butter lamp and made the following prayer: If my wishes will be fulfilled, may the butter lamp remain lit for a long time. If they will not be fulfilled, may the lamp quick, quick may the lamp quickly die out. May Topaga's Lama and the Dharma protectors make it so. The lamp lasted a whole day and night, so my mother believed her wishes would be fulfilled. She said, "Yogin, clothing and shoes are essential for traveling across the country, so you'll need patches and shoe leather." She gave him leather strips for his boots, and she herself patched the worn cloak that she that he wore. Unbeknownst to the yogin. She hid the seven ounces of gold inside the back of the cloak, over which she placed a square patch of black cloth. She secured it by embroidering stars of coarse white thread in the center, resembling the form of the constellation Pleiades, which could not be seen from the outside. She further offered the yogin a handsome gift, and gave him a sealed letter written in code. Then she sent him off. Afterward, my mother thought, since I do not know what my countrymen have conspired to do, I should adopt a menacing air. She then instructed Peta, inform everyone that your brother has given a letter to the yogin who was here yesterday. My mother wrote and sealed a letter to look like it had been sent by me. It said, "Mother and sister, I trust you are well, and that you have witnessed signs of black magic. If any of our countrymen, in particular, treat you with hostility, send me a letter with their family names. Using the black arts, it is easier to snuff out a man's life than it is to offer a pinch of food." So I can cut off their family line for nine generations. If the entire countryside acts with hostility, you mother and you mother and sister should leave and come here, and I will destroy the region without leaving a trace. I have not been hindered in my practice for lack of resources or provisions, so do not worry about me. She first showed the letter to my maternal uncle and friends of the family. Then she left it in her brother's hands so that everyone would see it. As a result, they talked it over and abandoned their plan to kill her. 
Then they took the field Orma triangle from my paternal uncle and returned it to my mother. Meanwhile, the yogin came looking for me. He heard that I was in Nupkulung and then found me there. He reported in detail the events that had transpired in my region concerning my mother, my sister, and so forth. Then he turned over the letter and I read it off to one side. He, it said, Topaga, I trust you are in good health. The son born to his old the son born to his old mother has seen her wishes fulfilled. The family line of father Mila Sherab Yeltsin has been upheld. Signs of black magic have appeared in the region. Thirty-five people have perished under the house that collapsed. This, however, has caused the countrymen to act less than hospitably toward your sister and me. So now cast a hailstorm, a nine-brick-high storm. With this, the wishes of your old mother will be fulfilled. The countrymen here say they will send a party to search for you, and after they have killed you, they will also kill me. Therefore, for both of our sakes, mother and son, watch out for yourself with great care. If you are short on provisions, look in the region facing north where a black cloud hovers and the constellation Pleiades appears. Beneath them dwell seven of our relations who possess whatever provisions you desire. So take them. If you do not find them, this yogin lives in that region. So do not ask anyone else. I did not understand what the letter meant. I thought of my homeland and my mother. With my provisions at an end, I would soon be destitute. But I was unfamiliar with that region or those relations, so I broke down in tears. I asked the yogin, You know the region where my relatives live. Where is it? It is Ungari Gungtang, he replied. Mm, don't you know any others? Where is your homeland? I know many other regions, but I do not know anywhere your relatives live. I am from U. Well then, stay there, stay here a bit. I will be right back. I then presented the letter to the Lama and reported what had transpired. He read through the letter once when he said, Topaga, your mother is filled with hatred. Even after the death of so many people, she has now cast she has now asked you to cast a hailstorm. Who are who are your relations to the north? I replied, I never I have never heard that I had any. It is the letter that mentions them. I asked the yogin, but he doesn't know either. The lama's, the, the lama's wife, who possessed the marks of a wisdom dakini, read the letter once aloud and then said, Call the yogin inside. I called him, and she then lit a large fire, serving him some delicious beer. She had the cloak removed from the yogin's back. The lama's wife put it on the lama's wife put it on and pranced back and forth saying what fun it would be to wear such a cloak and travel around the countryside then having slipped up to the roof the lama's wife removed the gold from inside the cloak she re she re the patch as before and draped the cloak over the yogin 
after serving him the evening meal, she took him to other quarters. Then the lama's wife said, Tell Topaga to come here before the lama. When I arrived, she handed over the seven ounces of gold. Where did the gold come from? I asked. It was inside the yogin's cloak, she replied. Topaga has quite a clever mother. Look to the region for... Look to the region facing north, which is like a place where the sun does not shine forth, means the yogin's cloak where the sun does not shine. A black, <laughs> where the sun does not shine. <laughs> that is funny. That's good. A black cloud hovers, means the square patch of black cloth sewn on it. The constellation Pleiades appears, means the light needlework of white thread. The seven relations below it means the seven ounces of gold. If you do not find them, this yogin lives in that region, so do not ask anyone else's me anyone else else's means if you do not understand. The gold is in the yogin's cloak. So do not look elsewhere. The Lama said, They say you women are canny, and it is true. He was greatly amused. <laughs> Afterward, I gave one-tenth of an ounce of gold to the yogin, which pleased him. I offered seven-tenths of an ounce of gold to the lady. Then I offered three ounces of gold to the Lama and said to him, Now my old mother says that she needs a hailstorm. So please think kindly of me and give me the instructions for casting hail. He replied, If you need hail, go see Yongtong Chogyao. The Lama gave me a letter together with some gifts and once again, I went to the village of Kyorpo in Yarlung. I met the Lama and presented him with an offering of three ounces of gold, as well as Lama Yonten Gyatso's letter and gifts. I described how I needed to cast hailstorms, and he asked, Was your black magic successful? The magic was successful, I replied. Thirty-five people perished. Now, in addition... I received a letter saying that I need to cast hailstorms, so please think kindly of me. So be it, said the Lama. He gave me the instructions, and I went to practice them in my old retreat cell. After seven days, a cloud gathered inside the magical pit. Lightning flashed, and thunder rumbled. Thus, I thought I could direct a hailstorm by pointing my finger. The Lama repeatedly asked me, since you are casting a hailstorm, how high are the crops now in your region? I replied first, they have just barely sprouted. And then some time later, the seedlings are just high enough to hide the pigeons. It is a little too early, said the Lama. Later, he asked again, now how high, how high are they? The ears of grain are just beginning to come out, I replied. In that case, it is time to go cast the hailstorm, said the Lama. 
He sent the messenger who had already been to my village as my companion, and disguised as yogins, we set off. In my region, the elders could not remember having had such a good year, and a law was established forbidding people from harvesting the crops whenever they pleased. When we arrived, the harvest was due to be reaped the next day and the day after. I prepared for the practice in the upper end of the valley. Then I repeated the mantras, and a cloud gathered, barely the size of a small bird. This was not what I had hoped for, so I invoked the names of the oath-bound protectors and proclaimed the truth of how my countrymen had abused me. I pounded my cloak and shed many tears. Then suddenly a black cloud, unimaginably vast, gathered in the sky. It converged into a single mass, and at that instant, hailstones beat down upon the grain, covering the entire valley three bricks deep. The whole mountainside was washed into ravines. Seeing the loss of their harvest, the villagers wept. Afterward, a tremendous rainstorm set in. As my companion and I were chilled, we let we lit a fire of tamarisk wood in a cave whose, en- whose entrance faced north, and there we stayed. Some locals who had gone hunting for the harvest Thanksgiving said, This Topaga has wreaked suffering upon our cunt- countrymen as no one else ever has. He has already... He has already slain so many men. Now he has wiped out this year's excellent crops. If he fell into our hands, we would rip out his still beating heart. And each of us would take a bit of flesh and a drop of blood. But even this would not relieve the pain we feel in our hearts. As they were saying this, they passed in front of our cave on their way down the mountain. An old man said, Silence! Silence! Speak softly. There is smoke in that cave over there, and we don't know who it is. The younger man said, It must be Topaga. He hasn't seen us, so we should call together a gang from the village. If we don't kill him, he will bring still further ruin to the region. With this, they turned back. My companion said, You go on ahead. I'll pretend that I am you and that I have come to gloat over their misfortune. We agreed to meet at the inn of Dingri on the fourth night. He was conscious of his own great strength and remained there without fear. At that moment, I dreamed of seeing my mother one more time. But frightened by my enemies, I quickly fled. As I skirted the village of Nyanam, A dog bit my leg, and I did not arrive at our meeting place on time. My companion was surrounded by the gang of villagers, but broke through their circle and escaped. He raced when when they were at his heels. When they lagged behind, he slowed down. They flung weapons at him, and each time he hurled large stones in return. As he ran away, he shouted at them, I will curse anyone who ventures against me. Did I not gloat over all the men I have already slain? I wiped out this year's excellent crops. Shall I not gloat over that too? 
So if you do not treat my mother and sister well, I will curse the highlands of this valley and annihilate its lowlands. Those who are not killed will have their family lines severed for nine generations. If you do not see this, this region laid waste with death and destruction, it will be no fault of mine. Just wait! Just wait! Frightened at this, the men of the gang quarreled among themselves, saying, Do something back! Do something! With that, they agreed they should return. My companion reached Dingri ahead of me and asked the innkeeper if a yogin such as himself had arrived. The innkeeper replied, He has not, but you so-called yogins are very fond of drink. There is a drinking festival over in the next village. Go there. If you have no cup, I can lend you one. The yogin borrowed a cup, deep-bottomed deep and ashen like the face of Shinje, the lord of death, and carried it to the festival grounds where I was seated at the end of a row of guests. He came up beside me and asked, Why didn't you meet me yesterday? Yesterday I went to beg and a dog bit my leg, so I couldn't travel quickly. But it's nothing to worry about. We set out together, and when we reached Kyorpo in Yarlung, the Lama said, You have two, you two have indeed met with great success. No one has been here before us. Who did you hear it from? we asked. The faces of the oath-bound protectors appeared, their faces shining shining like the full moon. I have also presented them the thanksgiving rites. The Lama seemed very pleased as he said this. As he said this. This is the way I accumulated negative karma by plotting to destroy my enemies. Thus Milarepa spoke. This was the third ordinary deed, the deed in which he annihilated his enemies. These three chapters constitute Milarepa's ordinary worldly deeds. And part two is coming up in the next episode, part two. This was 50 minutes, almost cutting it close. <laughs> but hopefully the next, the next chapter will be less than 60 minutes. All right. God bless you guys. Peace, peace, peace out. Peace out.